it's time to relax, grab a drink, pull up a chair by the hearth, and have a seat in the Scald Circle to listen to the beginning of Chapter 1, from the high deeds of Finn and other bardic romances of ancient Ireland, as told by Minogan. Chapter 1. The Story of the Children of Lur Long ago there dwelt in Ireland the race called by the name of Dedanin, or people of the goddess Dana. They were a folk who delighted in beauty and gaiety, and in fighting and feasting, and loved to go gloriously apparelled, and to have their weapons and household vessels adorned with jewels and gold. They were so skilled. They were also skilled in magic arts, and their harpers could make music so enchanting that a man who heard it would fight, or love, or sleep, or forget all earthly things, as they who touched the strings might willed him to do. In later times, the Danans had to dispute the sovereignty of Ireland with another race, the children of Milad, whom Med called the Milesians. And after much fighting, they were vanquished. Then, by their sorceries and enchantments, when they could not prevail against the invaders, they made themselves invisible, and they have dwelt ever since in the fairy mounds and wraths of Ireland, where their shining palaces are hidden from mortal eyes. They are now called the She, or Fairy Folk of Erin, and the faint strains of unearthly music that may be heard at times by those who wander at night near to their haunts come from the harpers and pipers who play for the people of Dana at their revels in the bright world below. At the time when the tale begins, the people of Dana were still the lords of Ireland, for the Milesians had not yet come. They were divided, it is said, into many families and clans, and it seemed good to them that their chiefs should assemble together and choose one to be their king and rule over the whole people. So they met in a great assembly for this purpose, and found that five of the greatest lords all desired the sovereignty of Erin. These five were Bove from Red, Ebrick of Asaro, Leah from the hill of the White Field, which was on the Sleeve Fard in Armung, and Midir the Proud, who dwelt at Sleeve Callery in Longford, and Angus of Prognaboya, which is now New Grange on the River Boyne, where his mighty mound is still to be seen. All the Danon lords, saving these five, went into council together, and their decision was to give the sovereignty of Bove the Red, partially because he was the eldest, partially because his father was the Dagda mightiest of the Danans, and partially because he himself was the most deserving of the five. All were content with this, save only Lear, who thought himself the fittest for royal rule. So he went away from the assembly in anger, taking leave of no one. When this became known, the Danan lords would have pursued Lear to burn his palace and inflict punishment and wounding him on himself for refusing obedience and fealty to him whom the assembly had chosen to reign over them. But Bove the Red forbade them, for he would not have war among the Danans, and he said, I am none the less king of the people of Dana, because this man will not do homage to me. Thus it went on for a long time, but at last a great misfortune befell Leah, for his wife fell ill, and after three nights she died. Sorely did Leah grieve for this, and he fell into a great dejection of spirit, for his wife was very dear to him, and was much thought of by all folk, so that her death was counted one of the great events at that time. Now, Bove the Red came ere long to hear of it, and he said, If Lear would choose to have my help and friendship now, I can serve him well, for his wife is no longer living, 
and I have three maidens, daughters of a friend, in fosterage with me, namely Eva, Ifa, and Elva, and there are none fairer and better name in Erin. One of these he might take to wife. And the lords of the Danans heard what he said, and answered that it was true and well be thought. Some messengers were sent to Lear, to say that if he were willing to yield the sovereignty to both the red, he might make alliance with him, and would wed one of his foster children. To Lear, having been thus gently entreated, it seemed good to end the feud, and he agreed to the marriage. So the following day he set out with a train of fifty chariots from the hill on the white field, and journeyed straight for the palace of Bove the Red, which was by Lord Derg on the river Shannon. Arriving there, he found about him nothing but joy and glad faces, for the renewal of amity and a concord, and his people were welcomed, and well entreated, and handsomely entertained for the night. And there sat the three maidens on the same couch with the Danon queen, and Bove the Red bade Lear choose one whom he would have as his wife. The maidens are all fair and noble, said Lear, but the eldest is first in consideration and honour, and it is she that I will take, if she is willing. The eldest is Eva, said Bove the Red, and she will wed thee, if it be pleasing to thee. It is pleasing, said Lear, and the pair were wedded the same night. Lear abode for fourteen days in the palace of Bove the Red and then departed with his bride to make a great wedding feast among his own people. In due time after this, Eva, the wife of Lear, bore him two fair children at a birth, a daughter and a son. The daughter's name was called Finola of the Fair Shoulder, and the son's name was Hugh. And again she bore him two sons, Fiarca and Con, and at their birth she died. At this, Lear was sorely grieved and afflicted, and but for the great love he bore to his four children, he gladly would have died too. When the folk at the palace of Bove the Red heard that, they also were sorely grieved at the death of their foster child, and they lamented her with keening and weeping. Bove the Red said, We grieve for this maiden on account of the good man we gave to her, and for his friendship and fellowship. Howbeit our friendship shall not be sundered, for we shall give him to wife her sister, namely Aoife. Word of this was brought to Lear, and he went once more to Logderg to the palace of Bove the Red, and there he took to wife Aoife, the fair and wise, and brought her to his own home. And Aoife held the children of Lear, and of her sister in honour and affection, for indeed no one could behold these four children without giving them the love of his soul. For love of them too came Bove the Red often to the house of Lear, and he would take them to his own house at times and let them spend a while there, and then to their own home again. All the people of Dana who came visiting and feasting to Lear had joyful and delight in the children, for their beauty and gentleness. And the love of their father for them was exceedingly great, so that he would rise very early in the morning to lie down among them and play with them. Only, alas... A fire of jealousy began to burn at the last in the breast of Aoife, and hatred and bitter ill-will grew in her mind towards the children of Lear, and she feigned an illness, and lay under it for the most of a year, meditating a black and evil deed. At last she said that a journey from home might recover, and she bade her chariot be yoked and set out, 
Taking with her the four children, Finola was sorely unwilling to go with her on her journey, for she had a misgiving and a provision of treachery and of kinslaying against her in the mine of Aoife. Yet she was not able to avoid the mischief that was destined for her. So Aoife journeyed away from the hill of the white field, and when she had come some way, she spoke to her people and said, Kill me, I pray ye, the four children of Leah, who have taken the love of their father from me. And ye may ask what reward ye will. Not so, said they. By us they shall never be killed. It is an evil deed that you have thought of, and evil it is but to have spoken of it. When they would not consent to her will, she drew a sword and would have slain the children herself. But her womanhood overcame her, and she could not. So they journeyed on westward till they came to the shores of Loch Dervag, and there they made a halt and the horses were outspanned. Aoife bade the children bathe and swim in the lake, and they did so. Then Aoife, by druid spells and witchcraft, put upon each of the children the form of a pure white swan, and she cried out to them, Out on the lake with you, children of Lear, cry with the waterfowl over the mere. Breed and seed of you never shall I see. Woeful the tale to your friends shall be. Then the four swans turned their faces toward the woman, and Finola spoke to her and said, Evil is thy deed, Aoife, to destroy us thus without a cause, and think not that thou shalt escape punishment for it. Assign us even some period to the ruin and destruction that thou hast brought upon us. I shall do that, said Aoife, and it is in this. In your present form shall ye abide, and none shall release you till the woman of the south be mated with a man of the north. Three hundred years shall ye be upon the waters of Dervag, and three hundred upon the Straits of Moyle between Erin and Alba, and three hundred in the seas by Eris and English glory. And then shall the enchantment have an end. Upon this, Aoife was smitten with repentance, and she said, Since I may not henceforth undo what has been done, I give you this, that ye shall keep your human speech, and ye shall sing a sad song, such as no music in the world can equal. And ye shall have your reason and your human will, that the bird shape may not wholly destroy you. Then she became as one possessed, and cried wildly, like a prophetess in a trance, Ye with the white faces, ye with the stammering Gaelic on your tongues, soft was your nurture in the king's house. Now shall ye know the buffeting wind, nine hundred years upon the tide. The heart of Lear shall bleed, none of his victories shall steed him now. Woe to me that I shall hear his groan, woe that I have deserved his wrath. Then they caught and yoked her horses, and Aoife went on away till she reached the palace of Bove the Red. Here she and her small folk were welcomed and entertained, and Bove the Red inquiried of her why she had not brought with the children of Lear. I brought them not, she said, because Lear loves thee not, and he fears that if he sends his children to thee, thou wouldst capture them and hold them for hostages.
That is strange, said Bove the Red, for I love these children as if they were my own. And his mind misgave him that some treachery had been wrought, and he sent messengers privily northwards to the hill of the white field. Uh, for what have ye come? asked Leah. Even to bring your children to Bove the Red, they said. Did they not reach you with Aoife? said Leah. Nay, said the messengers, but Aoife said you would not permit them to go with her. Then fear and trouble came upon Leah, for he surmised that Aoife had wrought evil upon the children. So his horses were yoked, and he set out upon the road southward until he reached the shores of Loch Dervag. But as he passed that water, Finola saw the train of horsemen and chariots, and she cried out to her brothers to come near the shore. For, she said, these can only be the company of our father, who have come to follow and seek for us. Leah, by the margin of the lake, saw the four swans, and heard them talking with human voices, and he halted and spoke to them. Then said Finola, Now upon us is thy wife and our mother's sister, through the bitterness of her jealousy. Leah was glad to know that they were at least living, and he said, Is it possible to put your own forms on you again? It is not possible, said Finola, for the men on earth could not release us until the woman of the south be mated with the man of the north. Then Leah and his people cried aloud in grief and lamentation, and Leah entreated the swans to come on land and abide with him since they had their human reason and speech. But Finola said, That may not be, for we may not company with men any longer, but abide on the waters of Aaron nine hundred years. But we still have our Gaelic speech, and moreover, we have the gift of uttering sad music, so that no man who hears it thinks aught worth in the world save to listen to that music forever. Do you abide by the shore for this tonight, and we shall sing to you. So Lear and his people listened all night to the singing of the swans. Nor could they move, nor speak till morning. For all the high sorrows of the world were in that music, and it plunged them in dreams that could not be uttered. Next day Lear took leave of his children and went on to the palace of Bove the Red. Bove reproached him that he had not brought with him his children. Woe is me, said Lear. It is not that I would not bring them. But Aoife there, your own foster child and their mother's sister, put upon them the forms of our four snow-white swans, and there they are on the lock of Derivog for all men to see. But they have kept still their reason and their human voice and their Gaelic. Bove the Red started when he heard this, and in he knew that what Lear had said was true. Fiercely he turned to Aoife and said, this treachery will be worse, Aoife, for you than it is for them, for they shall be released in the end of time, but thy punishment shall be forever. Then he smote her with a druid wand, and she became a demon of the air, and flew shrieking from the hall, and in that form she abides to this day. As for Bove the Red, he came with his nobles and attendants to the shores of Loch Derivog, and there they made an encampment, and the swans conversed with him and sang to him. And as the thing became known, other tribes and clans of the people of Dana would also come from every part of Erin to stay a while and listen to the swans 
and depart again to their homes. And most of all came their own friends and fellow pupils of the Hill of the Whitefield. No such music as theirs, say the historians of ancient times, ever was heard in Erin. Four foes who heard it were at peace, and men stricken with pain or sickness felt their ills no more. And the memory of it remained with them when they went away, so that a great peace and sweetness and gentleness was in the land of Erin for those three hundred years that the swans were in the abode waters of Derivag. But one day, Finola said to her brethren, Do ye know, my dear ones, that the end of our time here is come, all but this night only? Then great sorrow and distress overcame them, for in the converse with their father and kinsfolk and friends, they had half forgotten that they were no longer men, and they loved their home and locked Derivog, and feared the angry waves of the cold northern sea. But early next day they came to the logside to speak with both the Red and with their father, and to bid them farewell, and Finola sang to them her last lament. Then the four swans rose in the air and flew northward, till they were seen no more, and great was the grief among those they had left behind. And both the red let it be proclaimed throughout the length and breadth of Erin, that no man should henceforth presume to kill a swan, lest it chance to be one of the children of Lear. Far different was the dwelling place where the swans now came to, from that which they had known on Loch Derivog. On either side of him to the north and south stretched a wide coast far as the eye could see, beset with black rocks and great precipices, and bite ran fiercely the salt, bitter tides of an ever angry sea, cold, grey, and misty. And their hearts sank to behold it, and to think that they must abide for thee three hundred years. Ere long one night there came a thick, murky tempest upon them, and Finola said, in this black and violent night, my brothers, we may be driven apart from each other. Let us therefore appoint a meeting place where we may come together again when the tempest is overpassed. And they settled to meet at the seal rock, for this rock they had now all learned to know. And that is the beginning of chapter one from the high deeds of Finn and other bardic romances of ancient Ireland, as told by Minogan. <laughs>